It's time for the Victory of the Light Radio Show with Rob Potter. You can live 2,000 years, tell us, lead them past their fears. All grows in time beyond faith and reason. Would you hide behind the glass till we free our souls at last? There's only dust between you and young and treason For the end is always near Even best friends disappear Changes surely come to be clear Who will you nail to your cross? Who will you blame for your loss? Life's freedom of choice Between love and fear host rob potter the victory of light radio show i'm your host rob potter again broadcasting from my humble abode here and trying uh up the game of my presentation a little bit and get me a nice background or something i'm not very technologically oriented but the message is the important thing here on my radio show um and if you tuned in last week we're in a series of interviews with dr raymond andrew keller the second, um, his call sign is Cosrac2. Uh, he's known as, as Cosmic Ray. So, uh, Cos, seals S R A K 2. That's his Nimbus Control name. So, if you're ever out there and you need to find Raymond, just put that on your CB and radio signal, and you might get a response. <laughs> and, Anyway, Raymond has a great sense of humor, and we're discussing lots of amazing things here. I wanted to let you guys all know I do support the Sadala Orphanage in Tanzania. His name is uh, Chris, um, and he is, I think he's 30 or 31 years old. He loves these children in Africa. He takes care of 29 of them all by himself, and he lives completely on donations from the public. I'm going to recommend you make a click. Reach out to him. I don't touch the money. I don't get involved in that part. But if you want to help him out, you can contact him through Western Union. Uh, he can. You can call him on Skype. He'll give you that information. And he can show you the orphanage. You can meet the children. He's out in the fields with sticks pulling up vegetables for the kids to eat. Uh, he is a, a very kind and gentle man. Um, and he has to literally beg for the for the kids to survive it's um uh not that plentiful where he lives so please help support the children in africa i also want to talk about my website the promise revealed it has getting some changes i have some new things up there there's some new banners uh one is called my teachers there's going to have a banner for that uh also i'm speaking in um uh irvine in september at the portals conference with uh, A.J. Hurtak, I think uh, Alan uh, Stanfield, myself, Nir Gar, Justin DeChamps, Deborah Gusti. Um, I don't know, a lot of people are coming there uh, that I've spoken with or will be speaking with. It's going to be great in Irvine. It's going to be, a, I think it's a, a full two or three day event there. It's going to be pretty amazing. So I um, hope to see you in Irvine coming up in September. Uh, 
Also, uh, I wanted to let you know, actually, I'm sorry, that's October. Let me, <laughs> I better look. But the other thing I wanted to share with you that's pretty amazing is, is that I'm going to be uh, going once again to South America and Bolivia. And Luis Mostojo Fernando Martens is an amazing uh, contactee. And like Raymond Keller has a tremendous amount of experiences that's pretty I'll just say pretty amazing. Uh, he has had so many experiences. Um, it would just blow your mind. Anyway, um, where uh, the conference in um, Irvine is uh, around the first weekend of um October. September uh, 13th begins our journeys in, uh, in Machu Picchu in Peru. Through the 18th, we have a two-day break, and then we fly to Bolivia for uh, a six-day solar initiation journey. Now, Luis Mostojo Fernando Martens, I also have a Luis Mostojo Fernando Martens page under my teachers. And Luis has been to the inner earth and actually been to see the central sun. And I'll be talking about that with Raymond probably as well at some point in the future here. But um, the Golden Disk of the Sun, you can look that up and you can see some information on my website. If you punch that information in, you're going to find some articles. I have a, a host of articles about Louie. Uh, he's very famous. Many UFO pictures are very famous that he's personally taken. And he has ongoing contacts like Raymond, regular contacts, physical contacts, talking to Venusians. He's been to the inner earth. He receives telepathic communication. And then our journeys, they actually show up quite often. So um, I'm going to recommend you join us down there. Um, if you contact me, uh, if you have a couple people, we can probably offer a little bit of a discount if you have a couple people going on both journeys. There are two journeys. You can divide them into two. Uh, we go to the Circles of Mornay. We go to Oyatombo. We're going to go to uh, uh, Lake Titicaca, the Island of the Sun, the Island of the Moon, Urmeri, a very famous hot springs where there's been many contact experiences with many groups, including mine. You'll see pictures. And um, so that's coming up in September. Please check that out on my website, The Promise Revealed. Please call me. At any time, if you want to go, we're trying to get more people to come. On we got some people going on some the first journey, and some are going on the second, and some are going on both. It's a trip of a lifetime, and you'll see extraterrestrials there. So, um, without further ado, I'm going to introduce Raymond here. Uh, Raymond, can can we keep the sound in the kitchen down a little bit? Like maybe next time we don't have anything going on. Oh uh, yes, uh, yeah. I'll uh, arrange something like at the. The university in one of those soundproof yeah. rooms. Yeah, whatever, that'd be good. Or just two hours where we have maybe in another room, if that we could move it to where uh, it's a little more quiet, just because I want for people here. But so, where were we, folks? We were talking with Raymond. You heard his amazing biography. Um, I'm just going to have you go to under on my webpage at the top. It's called. Uh, truth references there's a, a section called my teachers 
and I'm going to be putting up articles with pictures of the teachers and links to their work and information. I have Sai Baba, Moktananda, Babaji, Fred Bell, uh, Dr. Frank, Louis, Raymond, uh, even Cobra. And so this information is going to be up there. It's going to be a reference for you, especially if you're in the inner circle. You'll be getting these as they come and be notified. So we were talking with Raymond. We've learned some fascinating information about uh, life on Venus. We've discussed various things. And uh, just the nature of Raymond and I talking, he, he brings up information. And I just hone in on something and want to get more information for myself. So as I do my learning experience through these interviews, you're going to get your learning experience too. Um, uh, again, his books, uh, the Venus Rising Trilogy, Venus Rising, Rockets of Venus, and Cosmic Ray's Excellent Adventure is going to be followed up by another book, which he's already finished. And um, he has a couple more books and um, uh, amazing stuff. So uh, welcome back, Raymond. You're going to have to unmute. There you go. It's uh, Thank you, Rob. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. So, Raymond, we were talking about Venus. You're talking about the twilight zone that, uh, I'm sorry, Mercury, that revolves very slowly. And it seems they do have a base there. And uh, at certain times of the day, there's a 20-mile strip that's warm enough and it has enough atmosphere there for them to breathe on uh, Mercury. Is that correct? Uh, yes, that that's right. And uh, all along... Uh... All along the um, the equator of uh, Mercury, there are places where uh, uh, where you can enter into the um, the interior of the planet. And uh, um, as the the planet slowly rotates, then coordinates can be given to to land along that uh, uh, along that uh, that uh, strip uh, of uh, that separates the uh, uh, the dark from the light side of uh, uh, of Mercury uh, that we call the twilight zone. That would be on the surface. It's kind of going up and down. So, but on the latitude is is where they have entrances. And so, what did they use that for? Again, is that an observation base? Is that a scientific base? Is that a defensive base? All of the above, and or is it just a giant hollow deck? Um, yeah, it's it's just uh, it's just a scientific uh, observation post for monitoring the sun and okay. activities on the sun that impact the in, entire solar system. Well, now that we've gotten into that, let's go ahead and talk about some some things. Let's uh, throw a a nice little uh, exclusive here for the folks. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about the solar flash and what Cobra calls the event and all this stuff. Um, we can get into the relationship with the galactic central sun a little bit, maybe too, but uh, let's talk about the solar flashes. Um, one of the things that I had been asking Raymond folks, because he has a lot of knowledge was about uh, several, uh, you know, concerns that people of earth have heard about recently because of solar flash and asteroids and things of this nature and um, we even asked about Nibiru, which is in the information in his second book. But I wanted to ask you um, I, to tell the audience what you told me 
about the solar flash when we could expect a pole shift. Now, just so you know, folks, a pole shift happens every 5,000 years. If you look on the ceiling in the Dendara Temple of the Hathors, which is uh, connected to the Venusians, there is uh, a straw, the, the equinox is reversed because back 5,000 years ago, when that temple was functioning, there is actually a, um, uh, we, the earth turned the other way. The sun rose in the west and set in the east. So Raymond uh, and his friend from Venus has indicated that the earth is due for a pole shift. We don't know exactly when, but the pole shift will happen at the time of the solar flash. Why don't you talk a little bit about solar maximums, solar minimums, what will happen uh, with electricity, and of course you did mention the physical shift occurring I think three days after. Tell us uh, your information on this, uh, what you feel is a, a probably will happen. All right. Uh, well, Rob, we're all familiar with solar cycles because we lived through uh, uh, we we lived through many of them in our in in our av in the average lifetime. Uh, you know, every eleven years, the sun goes through uh, uh, sunspot activity, uh, increasing uh, and then to almost nothing. And um, so we have, you know, we have measurements of the sun's uh, activity. Uh, occasionally, we'll have a solar flare. Uh, a discharge of plas plasmic energy from the sun uh, that's uh, strong enough to wipe out, um, you know, communications equipment, satellites, and affect communications here on Earth. And um, is that just has that already happened? Oh or? yes, this, uh, uh, this this happens all the time. Solar flares are impacting uh, the the Earth and other planets in the solar system. Because we're only one AU or astronomical unit away from the sun, uh, 93 million miles, um, it takes about eight minutes for the impact of a solar flare to, uh, to, to reach the Earth. And uh, it's all interconnected. The, uh, the magnetic fields of planets as well as the, uh, you know, the gravitational field of planets uh, and solar activity, it's all connected. Can you talk about where the solar flashes come? Why every 11 years? Is this related to the Grand Central Sun? And could you talk about the electromagnetic web of life that, uh, that suns are and how they relate to the, the greater uh, universe as we know it? Okay, well, there are, th there are tubes of light uh, tubes of energy that uh, pass between different star systems. Uh, the the Earth being uh, being a star, and I mean the Sun being a star in the Milky Way galaxy. So uh, the the Earth and all the planets in our solar system um, are connected to uh, uh, to to a greater whole. Um, there is a connection of, I guess you can call them wormholes that do connect. These, the, the ancients called them fluosi, um, or tunnels of light, and uh, they connect to the, uh, to the greater central sun. And this is actually how uh, some of the spaceships actually travel, is that correct? Uh, yes, yes, they can travel through, um, 
through those and uh, and uh, there are also stargates that connect um, uh, to this uh, network of, uh, of of wormholes as well. Are these uh, stargates actually the stars or suns themselves? Uh, the the stargates are um, uh, places within the solar system and other solar systems that uh, that are um, that are connected in this in this network that that you could pass through. These are all mapped out. Um, yes, in the in, remember in the Bible in the Garden of Eden where uh, it it says that uh, an angel with a flaming sword was placed to guard uh, ever which way that that they could pass through the the tree of life, or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. That's oh that's that represents a stargate. Uh, yes, uh, this is a this is a real stuff. So I, I'm asking, uh, is the sun itself, I mean, would a spaceship fly into the sun and then uh, teleport from the center of the sun? I mean, we have the spurious, uh, you know, we can't really see what's there. It's a mystery to us. Um, or is it uh, like at the poles? Is there a thing or are these stargates actually only existing outside the sun? Um, yes. Uh, uh through, through the process of magnetic reconnection, uh, time and space would be warped uh, to, to poke a hole in the space-time continuum that, is, that a ship or an individual could enter into. So that sounds kind of uh, uh, sketchy. You probably have to know what you're doing if you're going to be, through magnetic reconnection, trying to travel from one place in a tunnel of light you wouldn't know what time uh, or place you're coming up with exactly, or do they have that ability to go into the reconnection flow between planets and actually stay in the same time and uh, bilocate or to go to another planet? How is that, is that travel uh, understood and controlled? Um, so, some of these tunnels are mapped out and uh, it's for the, instantaneous transmission of matter between one solar system and another they actually go between galaxies too isn't that correct uh, yes they could go between galaxies so who's in charge of these tunnels and galaxies is there an administration uh, from the like the galactic central sun um, in the Egypt uh, uh, and in the Mormon uh, teachings of Joseph Smith they talk about the Colobe or the Grand Central Sun, and there seems to be some very odd beings associated with this. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh yes, in the uh, in in many cultures here on Earth, uh, uh, among um, uh, Bantu-speaking tribes in Africa, um, uh, like the Khoikhoi, uh, the San people, uh, and then the 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 Egyptians uh, and uh, and others uh, reference these uh, mantid-like uh, insectoid creatures that uh, guard these gates. Very interesting. And hello, folks. Rob Potter here at the Promise Revealed on the Victor of Light Radio Show. Wanted to remind you all, my website, thepromisereveal.com, has a free membership. And if you sign up there, 
We'll keep you appraised. We've got some great new newsletters coming out. I have some stuff, something called Castle Talks and Mountain Talks I hope to be releasing in the late fall. Also, please check out my Facebook page. It's the Robert Potter Public Page. My personal page is full, so I want to thank you for that. Be sure to check out the amazing things on my website, the Blood Purifier, the Promised Light Watch. We've got the pyramid system with the Tesla coils, ion showers, lasers, and wonderful stuff. I will also be appearing in Los Angeles at the Conscious Life Expo in booth 204 this coming February. So enjoy, check it out, and now back to our show. I think you mentioned uh, in some of our talks previously the insectoid beings from Sirius. Is that correct? Is that A or B or what's? Ah, uh, yes, that's uh, that's uh, Sirius A. There's a, a planet there called Balaton. It's about three three times the size of the Earth. It's it's a what our scientists would call a super Earth. Uh, it's largely mountainous uh, with fresh water and. Uh, the the insectoids are the the primary inhabitants of that world. Wow! So uh, talk about the polar. Let's go back to the. Now that we talked about the sun flares, uh, let's talk about the polar shift. And you mentioned something about solar mix minimums and maximums. I want the people to hear it directly from you in regards to what happens and uh, what we could look for. And when we can expect a polar shift, we wouldn't really know um, when the poles would shift or if it's magnetic or if it's physical. I mean, um, we're not being told much of what's really happening. So uh, what could people actually look for as a sign that it might be getting close or that we're in the process of that polar polar shift? When when we see extreme solar activity, an increase in flares, um, uh, intensification of uh, measurements of heat from the sun and so forth, Uh, when we see changes in the the sun, and I'm talking about outside the regular um, 11-year solar pattern, sunspot pattern, Uh, when we see sunspots when there shouldn't be any, uh, then we know that, uh, that something is about to to happen either it'll be a physical flip which is long overdue which is every 5000 years as you know the the earth wobbles at on a t- 23 degrees um uh axis point and that w- we could either expect that and that like a top you know it'll it'll slow down and then it'll it'll um It'll actually flip, and then uh, the North Pole will be the South Pole, and the South Pole will be the North Pole, and it'll cause a, a huge turmoil. Uh, or it'll be an electromagnetic uh, oscillation, which happens quite qu- quite frequently when the when the uh, when the magnetic poles reverse. Right. So you're telling me that. Um... Uh, it's a solar maximum and a solar minimum. Those will be radically changing, like within a week, from the highest solar maximum 
ever heard of to the highest solar minimum, then, yes, back, uh -huh. then back to a new solar maximum and to a, a, even a, a lower solar minimum within a very short period of time, like within right. a week wild, or two. Wild, gyra wild gyrations in the sun. Okay. So um, with the solar maximums and solar minimums, um, that will cause... Uh, and of course, there'll be sun flare activity coinciding with this that will be causing uh, the shifting of the magnetic poles, or just the poles will be moving, or will they actually shift and flip? Um, the, the the actual flipping uh, does happen about every every five thousand years, so it could be that, or it could be uh, it could be just a magnetic reversal. If it's a magnetic reversal, um, when does the physical uh, flip happen? Uh, that that will happen every five thousand years. The the last time it happened was uh, uh, was uh, about the time that uh, Moses uh, was you know li leading the people of uh, Israel out of Egypt. Though they had a pole shift then. Yes. No kidding. Uh, was that that wasn't really recorded in the annals of the Bible, was it? Or you would know? Well, there was a lot of turmoil going on at that at that time. So, uh, you know, it was uh, um, it, it was recorded and the epics of other people as well. So this is not the sinking of Atlantis, which is more like a long, long period. Uh, the final uh, sinking of Atlantis was like about 10,000, 12,000 years ago. Did that coincide or was that something separate? I uh, know that would have uh, that would have coincided. The 12,000 figure works nicely with that. OK, so there was one 5,000 years ago. Uh, does every pole shift? Does the water slosh or? What what is this uh, the story? Is it earthquakes that will change the topography? What is anticipated at the time of a, a pole shift? Of course, we can't know everything, but um, can you tell us uh, um, if there is a magnetic shift? Uh, I think you mentioned to me that three days later there would be a physical shift. Is that correct? Oh, oh uh, yes, there'll be there'll be uh, the, uh, a lot of flooding. Um, uh, a lot of weird weather uh, patterns all around the uh, all around the world. Uh, uh, there'll be masses of land that will be submerged, and others that will emerge uh, out of the ocean. A lot of volcanic activity along fault lines, the ring well, of fire around the Earth. Is this in, is this going to happen all at once in a week? Will it be <clears throat> semi-catastrophic for a while or is this going to be a a slow release earthquakes i mean is the atmosphere gonna with a lot of volcanoes going off at once how does all oh, this oh yes we're, work we're, out? we're talking about a, a a period of a few years until it restabilizes until the earth restabilizes in its orbit and so uh with the conditions of humanity and the the inability for people to get real information um, like if that happened now, uh, there would be quite a bit of chaos and loss of life. Um, yes, there definitely would be.
So at some point, we probably will have a pole shift. Was there a lot of loss of life during Moses's time? Oh, um, yes, there were the different cultures, different peoples around the world. Is this mostly coastline areas of the earth where most of the population lives or um, is living higher in a mountain uh, a better call or not necessarily so? Maybe uh, not, not necessarily because of earth tremors and, uh, and uh, uh, volcanism. Um, and, uh, well, we see, for example, in, uh, uh, in the Himalayas and in Tibet, there are actually ocean line, uh, water lines on the sides of mountains. Yeah, well, yeah, and of course, we know that uh, Lake Titicaca, uh, or very near there, Tiwanaku, used to be a seaport. And they have the giant salt flats down there in Bolivia. So uh, also Machu Picchu uh, used to be a seaport as well. So there have been a lot of uh, drastic changes. Everyone thinks, oh, it takes an inch every year. No, it's we have these big shifts and things change. I guess that's oh, yes. an age- uh, for, for example, in, uh, uh, in Nicaragua, there's a, a lake there in the middle of Nicaragua that has uh, ocean sharks in it, and it's not anywhere near the ocean. Oh, interesting. You know, so how, how did they get there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Spaceships didn't pick them up and drop them in there. Uh, so th- these are all these are all changes in land formation, sudden changes that 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 have occurred on the on the Earth, and and uh, that's also the region where they have these bees that live in these huge bees that they're the size of mice that that live in volcanic ash. Yeah, we'll get to the bee people a little bit later as we move along in our series. So. I find the the pole shift interesting. A lot of people are talking about solar flares and solar maximums, and uh, but you've indicated solar minimums and maximums. So this is something to look forward to uh, as a possibility. Of course, when we think of civilization and the destruction of a mass change, I'm kind of curious in ages past or on other worlds. Uh, when they have this going on, the civilization knows that it's coming. Do they they make preparations? Uh, they live inside the earth. Is are those uh, regions adversely affected as well, or is this mostly near the the surface that these drastic changes take place? Yeah, things are a little more stable inside the earth, um, although. Uh, 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 changes geologically do um, do affect them some somewhat, but but not as much as they're closer to the as they're cl- closer to the uh, the Earth's core. Right. So, um, and these uh, races of beings inside the inner Earth probably have high technology and would know what's going to happen when that takes place. Yes, like- they're a little they're, they're a little more e- equipped for it. Uh, Richard Shaver talked about colonies there from Venus as well. Yeah, we we know they have colonies. Uh, we know you probably know where they are, but won't tell us. But it's okay. <laughs> well, so I think I'm, Louis would be the great reference for that, and uh, for uh, for changes in the sun and solar maximums and minimums. And uh, there's a great site. My friend uh, Chrisana Duran has that Time Star site, and. Oh. Uh, 
uh, she covers that extensively and follows that uh, very, very, very closely. Yeah, check out timestar.com. Uh, .org, I think is what it is. Timestar.org, uh, Krishana Duran. Uh, she has a, a vast knowledge, uh, Native American uh, background there. So um, I guess I, I want to go back a little bit uh, to kind of, uh, I don't want to put fear into people's minds about this. Um, when this happens, you're either going to be in the right place uh, to survive or not, right? Um, yeah, so this, there's, uh, there's no way of, um, uh, of telling what areas will be most uh, impacted. Do the Venusians know if there is a pole shift, where the new poles will be? Is, would they know that by their uh, uh, time travel uh, stuff, or would they uh, know that just by scientifically kind of understanding what might happen, or is that a mystery to them as well? Um, it's a mystery because of uh, various forces in space, um, electromagnetic forces, and and uh, other events in outer space that are that are wild card factors. Right, they can't monitor every single aspect of what's going on. Now, this pulse from the uh, that comes from the sun, these solar flares and the sunspots. Why every eleven years? Um, that's a good question. Uh, that I don't rightly know uh, why it is every eleven uh, eleven years, but uh, I can look into that. Okay, I'm going to stack one up to Rob. I know that the uh, I know that that's a concern of uh, a big concern of uh, the world space agencies. Uh, recently, they launched a, a solar probe to find out exactly the answers to that kind of question. Interesting. So I uh, asked a qu question that Raymond didn't know. One of the few that, <laughs> and at least he's honest and tells us the truth there. So let's talk about, uh, does, there's a pulse from the galactic central sun that, that uh, kind of comes from the, the, the center of the galaxy that affects all life throughout the galaxy, I'm, I'm sure. It affects various suns. Can you tell us, do you know anything about that pulse and uh, the reason for the timing or is that unknown as well by oh, us at this time? Oh yes, uh, like all objects, like um, uh, like quasars and uh, and black holes, which is what we're we're talking about. The center of the sun is, or the center of the galaxy is actually a black star or a black hole. Interesting. Uh, they do yeah. they do emit these pulses because they they rotate extremely fast, and uh, every once in a while there's. Um, there's a massive discharge of uh, uh, a, a solar plasma beam that traverses the entire um, uh, galaxy at the ecliptic, so it affects all of the star systems uh, in the in the galaxy, and it'll right. pass pass through it. Right, and this kind of seems to be what Cobra is talking about in regards to what he calls the event, although. It's a cosmic event from what I'm understanding. When this pulse comes out, uh, is that associated with uh, the polar shift or is that something different? 
Well, the the, the impact of that much uh, that much radiation traveling through space uh, uh, is going to have some some effect on all systems, on all all electromagnetic systems throughout the the, the galaxy. So, do you think that's? Uh, I mean, does Venus have a pole shift? If so, how often? How do they deal with it? Uh, Venus uh, rotates uh, much slower than the uh, than the Earth does, and um, um, it's actually a much uh, much older world and more stable in its orbit. the The orbit of Venus is almost uh, is almost a perfect circle rather than uh, uh, an ellipse like the Earth and the other planets. So uh, the answer to the question is they don't have pole shifts. Uh, they they don't need to worry about it. They they will they they will have one if, if eventually, but we're talking about millions of years, not every five thousand years. Interesting. Okay, so um, I guess the other question is, um, and I don't know. There's obviously probably some reasons they wouldn't say anything if it was true, and you may have been sworn to secrecy, but um, when that takes place, um, I think we've talked about this, that afterwards, if a pole shift took place, that they would come down to help us survive because all electrical systems would be pointless and useless. It's going to bring us to our knees to a certain extent, planetite-wise, we would be not cavemen, but our culture probably could be lost without guidance and help, which it has in the past. Oh yes, uh, you're right about that. And um, and uh, Dr. Raymond Barnard, who wrote the books about Agartha and the Inner Earth, uh, Dr. Barnard said that um, that uh, Venusians and other extraterrestrials, as well as Agartans, uh, who are descended from Venusians uh, would come and and uh, take some people into space, help reestablish um, civilization on Earth, and also take some under the Earth to cities uh, in the inner world. Would this be before the pole shift, possibly? After, after the pole shift. After. So if you if you didn't scramble up to a high enough mountain, you might end up on the other side of life, right? Uh, uh, yes, yes. Ah, well, that's okay. So, so let's go into uh, um, because a, they they don't number one they 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 don't know the time and the date that it's going going to happen. They have a general idea, but uh, you know, like the red, like a co cosmic red cross, they're ready to be there and help out. Right. So. Um, I mean, it's kind of like when the certain magnetic positions are going to go on high alert. And is it possible they would uh, uh, take some people before or pretty much you know, we're left to our own devices? Uh, no, I think it's possible that they would help some as they could. Right. And um, what being uh, a member of the Galactic Confederation, if certain things are indicated here that that's imminent, could could they call and bring in other uh, starships possibly that could carry larger numbers of people, biosatellites, so to speak? 
Hey folks, I want to let you know next year, August 26th through the 30th in Mount Shasta, California at Stewart Mineral Springs, I will be having a very special conference. This will be a five-day conference. This conference is going to be much slower, much more detailed, and a lot more information from my selected guest. Right now, we have confirmed Luis Mostojo Martens, Laura Eisenhower, myself, Raymond Keller, and Frank Chile. We may be having Omnek Omnek, we're not sure yet, but this will be at Stewart Mineral Springs. We'll be taking night sky watch excursions to the mountain. We'll also be taking trips to the lake and we'll be doing some on-site meditations and some processes to bring in the light. And as usual, we will have wonderful messages from the Masters of Wisdom. So keep an eye out on that on my website. We'll probably be launching that in December. But plan on coming to that one, folks. It's going to be great. Now back to our show. And bring in a lot of Ventlas and a lot of other spaceships, say from the Pleiades, from the Andromedans, from various beings to perhaps uh, save the loss of life? Or uh, would that just be bringing up, up a bunch of crazy people that, might not be. <laughs> well, uh, uh, I'm sure that they would do what they could um, mm-hmm. to enlist the aid of others, other star civilizations to come and help us. Okay. So, again, let's go into uh, why they don't help us. You had mentioned before, uh, and people have asked me this in the past, um, why don't they help us? And, you know, I, and I was, you know, I was like, that's what I want to know. Why won't they help us more? And, and I understand. And folks, we have to look at this because we're all on our own path here. Um, can we do dishes a little bit later? We've got about 20 minutes. Oh, okay. Uh, what, one moment. Oh, okay. yeah. can, can you not do that? Because it's going on the radio. Just, the dishes, just, the just, water. For 20, just for 20 minutes, Yadalas. Thank you. Oh, okay. So, yeah, she said no no problem. She'll okay. do it later. Thank you very much. And we'll just she schedule. All right. <laughs> well, thank her. I love her for taking care of you. Hi, Yadalas. Thank you for loving Raymond for us. <laughs> anyway, uh, so the reason, folks, is um, they don't want to become responsible for us. Raymond and I talked about this. So. Uh, if you look at Venus, with only 5 million people, as advanced as they are, they're, they're very careful with their population. They have a, a higher culture that lives in tune with universal laws. And we're pretty chaotic down here. And there's a lot of, uh, some people call it the wheat and chaff, or there's a, there's a, a hodgepodge of some more advanced souls and some that are uh, not so advanced. Um, so... They don't want to take responsibility for us, even with a benevolent dictatorship. That's right. Can you comment about that, Raymond, a little oh, bit? Oh, yes, because even a, uh, even a benevolent dictatorship is still a dictatorship. So um, they're, they're willing to help us, and they do work behind the scenes. You know, all the world's religions have, uh, uh, have accounts of angels coming down and 
appearing as, as human beings uh, working among us. Uh, you know, the uh, Apostle Paul wrote to the Hebrews that uh, in uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, that, that uh, uh, we should always be kind to one another for know ye not that ye entertain angels unawares. So they're here. They're here and they'll do what, uh, uh, what, what they can, but we're ultimately responsible for, uh, for our planet and uh, for the care of one another. And, and the Venusian um, mission is more, um, you know, the, there's another group called the Alliance folks. We may get into that in another talk, but there's a Galactic Confederation, and we're going to go into more details as we go through these series of interviews over the next few months with Raymond. So I think you're going to find these very interesting as we check in, but um, as we move along into various uh, subjects of metaphysical importance to you. We've already talked about the moon. We've talked about Mercury. We've talked about um, uh, the cloaked moon uh, and life on Venus a little bit. And now we're talking a little bit about the politics and the interaction of what they're doing here. So um, I'm going to fast forward and Raymond's going to fill in some places here. But in the 40s, uh, when we had radar, they decided it was time to up the game and to become very closely involved and watch what's taking place on Earth. And, of course, in uh, Spaceships Over Earth from Dr. Frank Strange's, we learn about Valiant Thor being head of the 12 permanent uh, Victor One-class spaceships, which are 100 yards in diameter. They're placed in various locations around the planet. Also, according to Dr. Frank, uh, there are two attendant ships to each of these 12 ships, making 36 ships total in various elevations on the Earth and various locations. They come and go, but they generally monitor certain areas of the planet. And they, um, um, the ones that are invisible are in the astral plane so that nothing in the physical can attack or do anything to the ships that are on the physical. They're always uh, have a, a faster reaction and uh, our security. So when those radar sets happened, they started building out these satellites and uh, various other things to watch the Earth. Um, and uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you was, um, so as the Queen has told us, uh, by the way, folks, Venus is a matriarchal society. We'll have to get into that in the next interview next week. But um, can you talk about, uh, they said they're taking appropriate defensive measures. They're, they're not, not directly interfering, but they're protecting themselves in every way possible. And this includes uh, pretty much going to every single nuclear warhead in every missile silo ever created on the earth by any government they come over the electricity in the base goes out they shoot a beam inside the set inside the warhead so there's no way it can ever go off so folks all of these talks about war and nuclear destruction are empty threats and the governments know this at the highest level that none of these uh uh military nuclear bombs could go off is that correct? And can you talk other more about 
the Venusians' defensive measures towards uh, this uh, uh, angry child called Earth. Oh, yes. Uh, well, in, uh, in my Venus books, I document the appearance of uh, Venusian spacecraft over military bases in uh, the United States and the former Soviet Union, now Russia and China, uh, where they emit these kind of green energy beams that are uh, radiation neutralizers and uh, go into quite some detail uh, about uh, those encounters. So they, they actually neutralize the radiation from the nuclear bomb, right? Uh, yes. And they disarm the bomb. It couldn't ever be pushed by mistake or in malice. And anyway, if it did, maybe it just goes up or maybe it just wouldn't even leave the ground, right? Um, yes. Uh, or it'll go up, but it won't do anything except just come down uh, and just break apart. Okay, so let's go uh, a little bit more. Uh, we've talked about why they can't interfere. They don't want to oh, take uh, over. Okay, go the, ahead. Uh, in, in addition to that, uh, there was, um, I have in my files uh, uh, a case where uh, Dr. Friedman, the late Stanton Friedman, who just passed away, not too long ago, uh, was dispatched by the uh, by the CIA to West Africa in 1962, and I have the actual um, telegrams and everything where uh, he was sent to retrieve um, this spherical object that that crashed there, and uh, uh, it was part of the. NRO National Reconnaissance Office, and that was, was it something that that we crashed or from outer space. It was from outer space. It was tracked as coming in from outer space. What was crashed, it? Did he tell you? And, and crashing in the um, uh, in in the desert. No, um, I asked him about it, but he didn't want to com comment on it. it. He lived he lived in Canada, as as you know, in Nova Scotia, but he was actually born in New Jersey. And he did was contracted as an astrophysicist uh, for the CIA. Right. So he decided to keep it secret. Yeah, I don't really like these people who want to keep things secret. The public deserves to know. So, what is your speculation? Was it a ET probe or? Um... Uh, yes, I think it was. Uh, it was a probe dispatched uh, by uh, by a Victory class uh, ship. Uh, that we called the around that time, uh, we were monitoring a bunch of ships in orbit. We that we didn't have too many satellites of our own up at that time, or the Russians, and we didn't know who it was. But there were reports all around the world from from 1954 uh, all the way to the moon landing of the um, so-called this the Black Knight. They called it the Black Knight Satellite. Right. Well, that's the uh, Victor. That's one of the uh, major uh, starships of the Venusians that Dr. Frank has uh, a picture of. And uh, maybe I'll bust that picture out. But he's been on board that ship, folks. And according to um, Dr. Frank, that acts as uh, a little more personal training center 
it kind of is a closer version of uh, kind of the, the the command for the entire 12, or as I said, with the two cloak ships, the 36th fleet is what I believe. It's a close uh, uh, station. Let's talk a little bit more about the Venusian presence around the Earth. You've indicated that they have about 10 mothership space stations uh, uh, located all around the Earth in 360 degrees, acting as security monitors uh, for any other extraterrestrials coming into the Earth because they're very concerned of uh, subtle alien intervention influencing the Earth and politics. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, yes. Uh, all, all my Venus books, beginning with the, the first one, they all uh, go into detail about space platforms that, that were put there um, in the Earth sector, Earth-Mars sector, uh, between the orbits of the Earth and Mars uh, as uh, safeguards against uh, extraterrestrial intervention. Right. So, uh, and we've talked privately about this, and some people will be surprised to know that the Venusians are uh, very far advanced. In many cases, the Venusian civilization on the physical plane exceeds the spiritual and, uh, in some cases, the technological ability of many of the races near the galactic central sun. Is that correct? Uh, yes, that, that is so. That includes the Pleiades. So um, you had mentioned that the Pleiadians are watched closely. Uh, I won't say with a skeptical, but with a wary eye by the Venusians. Um, and the Venusians are the highest consciousness on the physical plane of any uh, civilization in our solar system. Correct? Uh, yes. Uh, uh, and uh, representing... Uh uh, our solar system. Mm -hmm. Right. And so there are actually, uh, in the Pleiades cluster alone, ladies and gentlemen, we know it as the seven sisters. In China, they call it the seven fairies. But um, there's actually, those are the stars that are visible in the Taurus constellation there in the Pleiades. But there's actually 250 stars in the uh, Pleiades cluster alone is that correct, Raymond? Uh, yes, that 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 is right, and it's uh, about five hundred light years distant um, uh, on average of uh, these stars in the Pleiades cluster. And um, one of the things, because there's a myth, you know, uh, promulgated by certain individuals who say that oh, there's you know the central race is so advanced and so. So uh, high consciousness and everything is love and light. But uh, there's clearly other material worlds that are struggling like the Earth. And though they may not have as much technological uh, ability to, to destroy their planet as us, there's plenty of negative things happening on other worlds as part of the growth process on the material plane. Could you comment on that? Oh, yes. Uh, various planets and their civilizations are at different degrees of uh, evolutionary cosmic growth. Um, 
Here on Earth, uh, Dr. Kardashev and the former Soviet Union developed a scale for planetary civilizations uh, technologically. And uh, so that would differ from uh, a, a spiritual scale. It doesn't take into account the spiritual development and growth of civilizations. But technologically, we gauge civilizations by their ability to uh, utilize power. Uh, if it's at a planetary, uh, if it's uh, uh, at a planetary level, then they've reached class one. Class two is at uh, a solar system. Uh, class three is at a galaxy, and uh, class four is like universal, instantaneous transmission of power to any point in the in the known omniverse, like a godlike power and we haven't even reached stage one yet right the spiritual the spiritual growth of um, of planets we have many highly advanced civilizations and peoples right here uh, on earth for example in tibet or um, um, among native american cultures they have a greater respect for the the earth as a a bioenergetic living living organism, and uh, they live in in harmony with uh, uh, with the earth when they're allowed to, when they're not being repressed. And so, uh, um, although there are some civilizations out there that don't have the technology, they have the spirituality, which is far in advance, and in in some ways, that's a magic of its own. Yeah, what we think in our consumer-based culture of materialism that we need to produce, 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 and create things, but we've actually destroyed the quality of life by the production of these devices, and our culture is such that we don't recognize universal law, so the result is, is that we actually will create something for profit that will not be healthy for the other people, uh, that will destroy other life and affect our ecosystem adversely, and could even be used as a weapon or act as a weapon, destroying consciousness. And it's allowed because of finances. This is the wayward thinking that is a pandemonium of ignorance in the human mind that uh, the Venusians and other benevolent extraterrestrial races are very concerned about, isn't it? Uh, yes, that that's right. And uh, as far as the, the Pleiades go, they do have a connection with... Um, uh, with other star systems that have not always been um, uh, uh, favorable to to the Venusians or to us, and uh, uh, so they they kind of keep them at a distance. Right, they're they're allowed to come in. They're me they're members of the Confederation, though, right? Uh, so, some of them are in the Pleiades system, and others not. Is Semyasi's planet Era a member of the Confederation? Would you know that? Uh, no, it's not. Ooh, Era is not a member of the Confederation. Ooh, that's an interesting little tidbit. Um, I, it'd be nice for me to be able to, uh, you know, talk to Semyasi again one day, possibly. I mean, all I remember was that one experience, and I don't remember it, as most of you follow me know, but, uh, you know, Sometimes you just want to get out of here, but uh, the queen advised me, 
you know, don't seek to hasten your e- exit from the physical plane. There's much to learn. So there's a lot for us to learn here on Earth and a lot for us to learn from you, Raymond. Well, thank you, Rob. Yeah, we've got, we've got about four minutes left here on the second show, folks. So, uh, again, I want to remind you, we are going to keep up these uh, shows. You're going to be learning as we go through these conversations various things. Uh, I think in the next uh, thing, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Galactic Confederation uh, uh, and about our sector of the galaxy, um, various other sectors of the galaxy. I mean, there's so much going on in the solar system that, uh, you know, we have to keep ourselves localized. It's good for us to know and get the bigger picture, but we've got a lot of work to focus on and learn here. Oh, Rob. Um, yeah. Uh, before we go, I know there's only a, a limited time left, but uh, today is the uh, fifth of um, uh, it's the fifth month, twenty fifth day, and this is the fifty fourth anniversary of a, a letter here. It's from. Uh, okay. It's from Dr. Herman Oberth. There's his signature right there. His home address in Germany up here. Right. He was the uh, rocket scientist that Werner von Braun worked with and gave him some of the stuff and actually invited him to come over and help with NASA. Could you tell, give us a synopsis here? Uh, yes, I'm going to give a synopsis because some of this is relevant to what we were discussing today. Uh, he's, he's writing to Mr. Paul Metallus in Hyattsville, Maryland on the, uh, May 25th, 1965. And he said... Uh, um, that uh, in 1953, I read the book of Major Kehoe, that's Donald E. Kehoe, and uh, first time, 1954, I told in a lecture that the phenomena reported by thousands of serious witnesses should be observed and investigated. I got the impression that the USA government does not like public discussions about UFOs because they fear rumors and panic. Since I myself, however, have seen no UFOs till now, there was no reason to speak with officials about them. I also never got an instruction not to speak or write about them. He lived in, he lived in, um, outside of Munich. Uh, and then he said, um, uh, I am writing a book that will be published in about two years, God willing. I think UFOs are here uh, in, the, in the first line for all investigation. I do not think that they intend to conquer the earth because since 3,500 years, we're seeing UFOs that did us no harm. To your fourth question, it is difficult to answer for me as it has been uh, for my great grandparents to say by what forces are working spaceships or TV or x-rays. The only thing I can say is that they must be able to generate attraction fields resembling gravitational fields, uh, always supposing that UFOs are definitely engines. Sincerely yours, Herman Oberg. Well, well, that um, lets us know, folks, that, you know, the father of rocketry um, uh, in Germany, who was responsible for a lot of the early stuff there, um, uh, Raymond comes up with these amazing documentations uh, from some of the early contactees and knowing Leo Sprinkle, Alan J. Hynek. I mean, he could drop names in the UFO field and very 
other many other very important figures in the extraterrestrial field who are witnesses or uh, partners or observances or people who worked with famous contactees back when contactees were uh, basically having their experiences. And uh, as we heard, the government's not friendly about talking about them. So we've got the negative thing. If you talk about extraterrestrials or flying saucers, you're considered crazy. So, well, and that's what uh, that's what do uh, Dr. Friedman said before he died in the lecture in Columbus, Ohio. The very last day, he said, "I don't. I no longer call them UFOs. I call them flying saucers because that's what they are." Well, that's good. Uh, he finally told a little bit of the truth there. But um, so we have the situation here, folks, and it's really incumbent upon us to change our attitudes. Uh, about the world and what's going on. And this way we can actually make uh, positive changes. And the changes are going to come when the people of the earth stop doing things that are in violation of universal law. And these things are like wars. Thank you for your service. Well, God bless you, brave people that wanted to save the country. But we realize now that you're really nothing more than unfortunately fodder for the elitists of the world who want world domination to control resources and to uh, have better ways of reducing the population and killing you through vaccinations and these other horrible things. So there's a battle going on between the dark and the light. And that battle is signified in the Bhagavad Gita, which is a struggle between light and dark in yourself every day. So let's encourage our police uh, friends and our family our, our military people to think and to not be part of this uh, mass destruction and to follow these ignorant leaders, these elitists who never are on the battlefield and send your loved ones into death and destruction. Let's stop building these horrible weapons of destruction. And this is how things are going to change. Unfortunately, uh, things are very entrenched, and it seems to me we have a ways to go. Um, this is going to take some various serious um, earth cataclysms or uh, some serious awakening of humanity before we can do that. Unfortunately, I think it's probably going to be the former where our inability, our ability to make war is limited by some drastic changes, and we need to focus more on where we're going to uh, uh, lay our heads and this will bring us back to uh, a certain level but God has plans for all of us it could change in a moment we, we could uh, possibly uh, unify ourselves and make things better it behooves us to try to continue to enlighten our fellow man and to move forward and to be prepared uh, possibly for a pole shift or not we're going to talk more about this next week uh, with Raymond Keller. Um, I'm going to do another couple of interviews. We're actually going to do some tomorrow, he and I. So we're going to get quite a few uh, interviews in the can here in the next uh, two or three weeks. So um, keep tuned. Check out my website, The Promise Revealed, A Journey of a Lifetime to South America. You can see me in o October in uh, uh, Irvine, and of course in September, 
uh, down in Peru and Bolivia. Amazing journeys. You're going to see UFOs, I promise you. There's, we're going to be joining a conclave probably of over 100 people for three days on Lake Titicaca. And then our group with Louis will break off and go somewhere else. But Louis is hosting a worldwide UFO conference on the shores of Lake Titicaca where there's uh, some amazing information uh, going to be shared there as well. So with that in mind, uh, I'm also going to be sending out, you may have actually heard about this by the time this show comes out, you may have heard about uh, my information coming out on my newsletter, which I'm going to reactivate very soon if it isn't out by the time of this show. Raymond, thank you very much. We're going to get him on a clear camera uh, soon, folks. And um, we're going to keep making the Victory of Light radio show better and better. Raymond, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Rob. God bless. All right. All right, folks. Thank you very much. Victory of Light. Uh, keep an eye on the children in Africa for me. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.